politics and religion. You never want to talk about those. Let's talk about those in this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. We're told during the holidays you never want to talk about politics and religion. What is it about these two topics that inflames the passions, as they say, and gets people into fistfights? Mm. On this episode, we're going to talk about those two episodes with my friends, Sebastian Callie and Siku, and I'm Justin Kim, and you're watching Inverse. For us to get into this Bible study in Romans chapter 13, we want you to go to inversebible.org, where you can follow along with our online Inverse Bible study guide. Uh, hey, guys. Hi. What's going on? Hello. Let's, let's not fight today. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get going into some 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 issues, and <laughs> let's right. try to stay away from politics. But let's get into politics. politics. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh let's yeah. Stay away from religion, but let's get into religion. I'm confused. Uh, yeah. And if you're confused, then that's why we need to pray. So, Siku, can you pray for <laughs> for us? <laughs> let's pray. Loving Father, we're thankful for the gift of your word. Um, thank you for the sublime and profound truths that it presents to us, and we're thankful that these truths have a practical impact in our lives. We pray that as we're going to discuss um, this often contested topic, um, that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher now, that we could be informed on how we ought to live our lives, and that you give us strength to do so. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 We want to acknowledge all the watchers out there who have been wonderful supporters of the Inverse program. We've been around for four or five years now, and we hear emails and messages from all around the world, from those of you in India and from the islands of Fiji and the Pacific, and those of you in Europe and Africa and South America. God bless each one of you. We know that there are political and religious issues in each of our respective countries, and we want to look at a Bible study on these principles to help them apply to Christians living all over the world. Mm -hmm and how to deal and how to navigate with these topics. So let's go to Romans chapter 13, and we will read verses 8 through 14 by Callie. Yes, <laughs> okay. Verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And doing this, and do this, so I'm struggling, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Okay, good job, Kelly. Thank you Thanks. so much for reading that. <laughs> uh, it is hard to read on, on air, but it is very, very, very important. One of the great principles of the Inverse Bible Study Guide and our show is to be getting into the Bible and, and to be reading the Bible verse. We don't do enough of reading in our churches and in our personal study mm -hmm. uh, these days. So let's go into chapter 13, yeah? Let's get into the principles. We just covered chapter 12 in our last episode, yes? Mm -hmm. And in chapter 12, we looked at, um, well, Sebastian, what did we look at there? 
Well, we essentially <laughs> grappled with the the practical transition that Paul is making from the theoretical breaking down of the gospel and all of its glorious components. <laughs> and now he's saying, okay, now it's time to get practical. And how do you actually behave as a person who's saved? How do you respond to the salvation that he has provided? And what does that look like in your everyday life? What does that look like in your ministry to the church? And what does that look like even when people are harming you hurting you, how do you respond mm-hmm. as a Christian at the mm-hmm. same time? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, he's continuing that arc. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was just going to say, a lot of this is, is, is what they call grace-based behavior or grace-based values, mm-hmm. rather than just being a good person for goodness sake, but what does it look like when there's inner transformation that has happened, yes. and how does that come out on the outside? We're continuing that tread, uh, that, 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 that thread of thread of thought, the thread, that line of thought, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in 13. In 13, chapter, th- chapter, chapter 13, verse 1, <laughs> starts off with government discussion, right? Yep. And then we get into um, what Callie read about verse 8, uh, about the law there. But um, let's actually read from verse 1, and I'll start there. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, I know we can keep on going, but there's already from that much. There's a lot there. So let's unpack that and take some time. Take it slowly through this text. Uh, What's going on there? Why does he talk about coals on your fire and enemies and vengeances, gods, and then (laughs) obey the government? Uh, I mean, let's go to uh, Sebastian and we'll go to CQ. Sorry. Okay. So you're you're looking at the fact that he's recognizing the persecution and a lot of the suffering and people they probably want vengeance on in the church in Rome is the government. Okay. And so there's this tension between what they believe and their allegiance to God is coming into tension with the government. Uh And so Paul, I believe, is going to start walking the church and us on a trajectory to say, how do you walk that thin line between your submissiveness to the government and your allegiance to God at the same time? Okay. Okay. Um, And I was going to say precisely that the the, the connection that I see from what he has just been saying in chapter 12 is talking about putting coals of fire on people who who, who harm you, right? And doing good to those that do evil to you. And in their context, you know, um, with the Rome, Romish authorities, you know, putting this heavy yoke of burden on them, um, for, especially for Jewish people, mm-hmm. it's, that was your enemy, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I like that Paul, he, he, it's kind of like he's already made it practical, but he like brings it home. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's an issue that is close to you. Yes. Um, you're literally dealing with this today mm-hmm. is there are people who are oppressing you and this is how you ought to relate to them. Mm-hmm. This is the gospel has shoes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of threads here, and I, th- I want to parse each one out, yeah? So Paul is speaking on behalf of Christianity. Christianity at this point was very, very small, small little, dinky little, you know, dink sect and, sect and <laughs> uh, SECT, yeah. and they are not jiving well with the rest of the empire, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his two things are, one, be nice to the government, Subject where you subject can be subject to. Yeah. I mean, because, because he acknowledges in verse 2, right? Okay. Um, sorry, in verse 1, that no. there is no authority except from God. Yes. And then he says, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Yes. So God has given them a certain responsibility, which he's going to develop later in the chapter. And that's what my dad used to always tell me, that you don't get responsibility without authority. 
if I'm going to give you a responsibility to do anything, I have to also give you the authority to carry it out. Mm -hmm. So your responsibility is to cut the grass. I'm not going to tell you to do it on Tuesday or make sure it's done in, you know, perfect 45 degree angles, you know, as you're pushing the lawnmower. It's your job to cut the grass. Here are the parameters. You have the responsibility. It's your authority. Just make sure it's done. Mm -hmm. And God here, Paul is saying, look, God gave them this responsibility. Mm. And therefore, he's giving the authority for the government. But don't forget that that authority came from me. Mm -hmm. So they're not above God. And therefore, their authority should never be submitted to at the discretion and or at the I compromise of that. I love that tension. And I think that tension, we always have to be mindful of that tension. Mm -hmm. That we need to be submitted to the government, right? Yes. But that government ultimately gets authority from God. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there is that, that hierarchy mm -hmm. has to be very clear in our minds. <laughs> and sometimes I think there are many Christians who have a completely different hierarchy altogether. Oh, yeah. And they get that. We, we won't talk about that because uh, <laughs> yeah, it, gets, it, gets, it gets funny. <laughs> Uh, verse 2, let's keep on going in verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, all to their due taxes, to whom taxes, taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Okay, now that's just exploded into a lot other stuff. Okay, let's parse each one of those out. What are points there? That, that that break this down for us. Um, I, I don't know that this breaks it down, but um, in verse 18 of the previous chapter of chapter 12. Chapter 12, um, verse 18, yes. Yeah, um, Paul has already said, if it be possible, mm -hmm. as much as depends on you. That's a lot of conditionals there, mm -hmm. right? If it's possible, and as much as is dependent on you, live peaceably with all men. So he's already given this principle of to whatever extent is possible, you know, within the constraints of, you know, your conscience towards God. Make sure that you're living peaceably with all men. Mm -hmm. And then when he's saying now, like, a practical application in our daily living, in our relation to government and, and the laws and statutes that we must obey, mm -hmm. if it's not compromising your relationship with God, if it's not infringing on, you know, your duty to God, if in as much as is possible... To, to do your best to make sure that you are complying mm -hmm. with these authorities whom God has ordained to be there. Mm -hmm. And and just speaking to that um, God, you know, um, ordaining these authorities, there's a recognition that God is sovereign, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. As in, there is no one who could hold that position of authority, even if they came if they came to, author to power, you know, through Back a rigged election right. or whatever, you know, I'm right. speaking of my home country, okay. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no matter how they came to power, they would not hold that position if God had not permitted it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and as a Christian, recognizing that, you say, okay, well, this authority has been permitted by God, so in as much as it is in my ability to comply with the rules and regulations that are set forth, this is actually complying with God's authority in as much as he permitted that, you know, power to be in place. So do we have a, a place, can we complain about that? 
complain about about the rigged election, about the about these guys, and and God put this guy in charge, or this lady in charge, or uh, what is? Do we have? I guess the the question is, what is the role of civil disobedience as a Christian? Uh-huh. Do we do we go out? Do we march? Do we Cali? I like no. this. No, well, no. <laughs> well, I was yes, yes, something to say. Yes, something to say. Fight against the government at all. Well, no, absolutely. Absolutely, do. okay. Absolutely. The other extreme. Absolutely. We fight against the government all the time. Yes. Forever. I mean, because you, <laughs> no, use, no. you use the term, right, civil disobedience. Yes. Right. So when I use the word fighting, I'm referring to disobedient, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, it's the Reverend, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who would say, the person who respects the law would never submit to an unjust law, mm-hmm. right? He has the highest respect for the law because the purpose of law is to govern relationships and the rights of each mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. So in this sense, if the government exercises authority that does not prioritize a person because of my higher allegiance to God and my value of that, the dignity of that other person, mm-hmm. regardless of where they fall on our ideological aisle, regardless of the difference, I still bear that respect for two reasons, Paul. God says first because he's God's minister mm-hmm. so I have to respect the position even if I don't respect the person okay and then secondly and secondly I hold that thought when you come back after the break we'll look at Sebastian what he has to say about number two has inverse been a blessing to you do you have questions comments or feedback you'd like to leave us find us on social media by searching inverse Bible on Facebook Twitter Instagram or YouTube while there Join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. We are in Romans chapter 13, and there are two reasons that Sebastian is talking about, and I rudely interrupted him after his first uh, first reason. So number one is found in verse what, verse 4, yep. for he is God's minister to you to do for good. This is the government is God's minister, yes? Right. So you respect the position even if you don't respect the individuals present. Okay, say that one more time. You respect the, you respect the position, position even if you don't respect the person. Okay. That is a good principle to abide by. Thank you for that. So the, sec- the mm-hmm. second thing is he says in verse 6 and 7, He says, for because of this, you also pay taxes, for there are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Mm -hmm. Render, therefore, to all their due. Mm -hmm. Taxes to whom taxes are due, etc., etc. So the second principle here, Paul is beckoning back to Jesus's principle in Matthew 20, where he's saying, when they were asked him, should you pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, well, you render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and you render unto God what is God's. But yes. his question was, whose image is on this yes. coin? Yes. So in essence, you're benefiting from the benefits of the protections of the government. They're constantly attending to you, right, in all these different ways. And as long as you're giving what is due, that's fine. But the moment the government ceases to provide that, right, mm-hmm. it's not due to you anymore, right? The government is no longer a minister for good because they're trying to violate your conscience, mm-hmm. your allegiance to God, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, we have to say, yes, you have the authority to do this and collect taxes and customs and all that type of stuff, but you do not have the authority to dictate my conscience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is where the line has to separate mm-hmm. in terms of our submission and resistance to the government. Right. And I just wanted to add, like, in verse 3, this is Paul's argument, right, that rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Mm -hmm. But what happens when rulers are a terror, 
are a terror to good works, mm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So then, it, then the argument that he's making doesn't flow, okay, right? Okay. So, so what yes. the logic that he's bringing is, in as much as it is possible, like I was saying, in as much as it is possible, it does not, you know, contravene your conscience. It does not contravene what your duty to God. But in the situation where if you are experiencing, you know, uh, the, uh, the kind of oppression that requires you to contravene your conscience, right? And now the authorities are contradictory to good works, yeah. then you do not owe them the kind of respect that he's talking about. So Correct. I think he's very careful in the way that he words it and the parameters, parameters he sets in place. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we ought to, you know, render, you know, unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give out taxes, you know, be obedient and etc. does not remove the obligation that we have to God to show love. He continues in verse 8. Oh, no one anything but love. You know, so we have obligations that go beyond, you know, ob- obligation to government, mm-hmm. which is our obligation to the authority above government. Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak to your question about civil disobedience, it's not about, you know, just being rebellious and like, oh, I just want to like go on the streets and protest and like march yes. and like whatever. Or, yeah. mm-hmm. But it's really about if there is an instance where in all good Christian conscience, there's no way that you could render obedience to this authority yes. because it would contravene yes. your uh, allegiance to yeah. God. And I think and, that's and, where and the on the flip is. side, there is, according to that argument, on the flip side, we are not to be mindlessly obedient to government either. Right, right. Right. Oh, this is a great government. Whatever they say must be totally right. Let me just completely, totally subscribe to 100% what they do and then be a 100 fan. We need to be yes. mindful, thinking Christians mm-hmm. yep. who acknowledge that God has all authority and he has given some of that authority to whatever leader and then with our minds able to be able to filter and navigate through these dynamics. Justin, like that is, I mean, that is actually contrary to the way a lot of, quote, good Christians view politics. Mm. It's kind of like, oh, well, I I should just, you know, kind of stay in my little bubble and, you know, keep out of politics and whatever. But in order to be able to make those kind of decisions... You have to be engaged in the process. You have to be thinking critically about the decisions that your leaders are making. You have to actually be thinking through a Christian framework, does this cohere with what I believe in my belief system and what is the right response for me as a Christian? And that is not being aloof to politics. It's actually being engaged in politics, but a different kind of political engagement. That's a very good word. Aloof. Mm -hmm. Aloof. Christians are now called to be aloof to the politics of our times. Very, very good. Yes, Mm -hmm. Kelly. Well, I'm learning a lot in this conversation, so I'm just enjoying listening. (laughs) But um, I know we're trying to sidestep all current politics of any nation that we know of. So I want to go to something that we can all agree on, and that was uh, that Hitler's Germany was terrible. That was bad. Well, (laughs) I will gladly take you down if you disagree with me. (laughs) But focusing on that, that was a time that Christians should disobey the government. Correct. Right. And so and I know we can do nuance, but I think that's a great example because it's so clear. Yes. And that, you know, like, yeah, you need to give up. Tell us where any Jews are because we want to take them away. It's like, no, because that violates my conscience. That violates what God has shown me. And so even though there's all these restrictions and all these laws. And I think that's even a good example too, because something bad will happen to you, not just the person you're hiding, but something bad will happen to you if you disobey. Mm. And so it's actually, you have a higher obligation to take care of that person, even though it's in your own best personal interest Mm -hmm. to actually obey the government. It's not in the best interest of people who are under your care. Mm -hmm. And so you have to keep up all those things and not just like, what's good for me? Because the good for you is to give them up. Mm -hmm. So to really have all those things in mind. Amen. Amen. 
Yeah. I want to push forward, if that's yep. okay. And there are some other juicy points that are in this chapter they want to go to. Uh, Callie did read for us in verses 8 through 10, yes. to love our neighbor, yeah? To yes. love, and then in the context of the government, we need to love our government leaders. We're going to pray for government leaders, mm-hmm. uh, but also have our, keep our consciences clear. Uh, a general principle of, of, of Scripture is that keep Bible, uh, keep the government and religion, the church, separate, yeah? Mm-hmm. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, render unto God that is God's, yep. and the two do not come together. In the context of Paul, these were together. And there's a danger when the government and religion are together and Christianity had to navigate right. uh, through that. We are glad that in the first world, in, in a lot of the places that we live today, those two entities are, are separate. Right. Uh, not every country. But we are to call, we are called to, to love each other. Verse 9, we are called to keep the, the Ten Commandments that we, we believe in legal uh, order and legality and civility and all these mm-hmm. good good things that end with IT and Y. And this is verse 11. This is verse 11. I do want to spend some time here. And all of a sudden, and, and, and please explain this for me. Why does he bust out, into, bust out into this phrase and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awaken out of sleep for now. Our salvation is nearer than we first believed. And he talks about being awake and sober and, and, and putting on Jesus. Why does he talk about government and then loving each other and then, hey, Jesus is coming soon. You've got to be really awake. Are these related or is just Paul being random here? He's definitely not being random because he's he's trying to point the believers in Rome to look higher than their present situation. Okay. Right? He's dealt with the fact do not try to, you know, when you go back to chapter 12 at the end in verse 21, do not overcome by evil, mm-hmm. do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And now he's explaining even further what he's meaning by that mm-hmm. in the context of persecution. Loving your neighbor is saying do beyond just what's due. Mm-hmm. Right. In terms of the government, you need to do what is your due. You owe the taxes, you owe the customs, you owe the honor, the fear. You need to do that. But now we're going to take that higher. And Paul is saying now this is practically the prophetic reality of where you are has to have the highest bearing mm-hmm. on your living out your Christian experience in this situation, regardless of what the government situation is around you. Mm-hmm. So he's saying Think maximum, not minimum. Do not look at this and say, well, that's the least. I did. I paid my taxes, so I'm just going to go off and go rogue and pay my taxes and that's it. Paul's like, no. Your neighbor, whoever is the nearest person to you, you owe them love. Mm. And now, when you're doing that and you're trying to fulfill this law to the very maximum, you know that prophetically you are in a situation where your salvation is nearer than when you first believed from the very beginning. Mm. And this is what's leading you to the fact that it's time for you to awake. He says in verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Mm. So ultimately, Paul is, is guiding them to say, you have to fully let go of how sometimes, even in a situation of governmental persecution and corruption, there's a temptation to put on works of darkness and forget the prophetic reality of where you are. Mm. And that is coming when you start coming down from maximum obedience to the divine law. And you just say, well, I'm just rendering what is due. Mm. And sometimes we don't even want to do that. Mm-hmm. And that is the exact opposite of how a Christian has to approach mm-hmm. it. So I, I feel like he's he's building up to this point mm-hmm. of trying to build a, a very compelling argument of how we are to relate with that prophetic reality of where we are mm-hmm. and what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Kelly. 
Yeah, I didn't see it quite that way. <laughs> but okay. no, but I, I think disagree. disagree. <laughs> that was terrible. I disagree. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great. Um, but I, I think mine's just a little bit, a little bit more nuanced in just that he's talking about all these different ways we need to practically live our lives. Yes. But he's also just like all these things are true. But just remember to walk with Christ. Remember your your spirituality. Mm. Um, because even then, we you know, we can be, can be caught up even in our interactions with other people. We can be caught up in how to inter- interact with the government properly. I know plenty of people like that. Mm. And the idea is just remember, like, because he even says in verse 11, like, to awake, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Like, he's using very spiritual language again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes, you know, sometimes, and I don't even know if this is, a, this might be eisegetical, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Um, so an application for myself. She mumbles under just her from breath. these thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mumbling towards the mic so I know everyone can hear me. Um, but that is, sometimes we can be so obsessed with the practical outwardly that we don't spend, we still, we neglect that connection with Christ. Mm. Um, like this is how Christians should interact with other people. This is how Christians should be in the government. This is how Christians should handle those relationships. But Jesus is like, yeah, but I'm the Christian, I'm the Christ part of the Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he wants that communion. He wants us to remember that that's, that's the center of where everything comes, of how we mm-hmm. interact well with the government, how we love other people. So to me, he's like kind of 12 and then he goes into 13, but then he kind of circles back to 12 at the very end of 13. Like, remember what I said about our connection and our dependence mm-hmm. on Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, when I looked at this verse, I see language of time. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in verse 11, you see knowing the time. It is high time, sleeping, waking. Right. In verse 12, there's night, there's day, uh, there's darkness. Then, then he goes into, maybe it's my abstractness. I, he goes from time awareness, then he goes into space awareness mm-hmm. on putting on Jesus, about walking. And so in, in all these talks about the government and all of our relationships, be mindful of these two anchors that you need in life, right? Mm-hmm. One, always be mindful of what time that you're living in. And he's basically saying, we're living in the last days, man. Mm-hmm. And he was living in the last days like a long time ago. <laughs> so we're like living the last of the last of the last days. Last right. days. And so that should make us sober. And then number two, so walk carefully. Put on Jesus. Make sure that everyone sees Jesus in you. So this this, this almost the physical, the space component, even though Jesus is not space, but the, the character component of space, space and time is what anchors us in these last days. How many of you have been in these, in the, in the, in the craziness of politics, in the craziness of religion with social media and all these ideas flipping here and there, you get lost. And sometimes the temptation is to just give in and to soak in the in the temptations of entertainment and, and, and whatnot out, out there. We are called as Christians to have these two anchors in our lives and they'll help us navigate, whether it be the elections, government uh, crises or famines or whatever economic struggles that may happen. Uh, according to the study of Romans chapter 13, we are called to be sober in these last days. And this is something only that Jesus can give us. I know that's my prayer. Hopefully that's yours. I know that's Sebastian's, Kelly's, and Siku's. Thank you so much for joining us, guys, and you out there at home. We'll see you next week when we look at Romans chapter 14. Yes, Romans chapter 14. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Thank you.
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.